Welcome to Calvary Chapel Irma's weekly verse-by-verse Bible teaching. Join us now as Pastor David leads us through Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, teaching us about going deeper in our commitment to Christ. Our prayer this morning, to lay our life down before you, Lord God. To lay our life down before you in serving and giving our life wholeheartedly to you. Lord, we always want to be pressing in. Help us not to be stagnant and not moving forward, but ever moving forward in our walk with you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time of worship. As we get into your word this morning, bless this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. I sent out an email this week, and I'm ready to announce the poll results. I sent out an email this week, and I said, hey, what is your... What was your anchor verse when you first became a believer in Jesus? What was that anchor verse, I call it an anchor verse, that held you through those early years? Y'all ready for the poll results? Okay, no hanging chads, no recount. The vote is in and it's final. Amen? Amen. All right, let's check it out. All right, second place, it was a 20-way tie, and those are all... The verses that y'all sent in. So if you replied to my email, you should see your verse up there. Those are the Bible verses that people responded to me saying, when I first got saved, this is the verse that held me. This is the verse I first memorized and that kept me. So it was a 20-way tie for second place. Let's take a look at a couple of those verses. I chose a couple of them. Next slide. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Such an amazing verse. Because I think one of the first things that God does in our hearts when we become a Christian is he gives us a thankful heart because he's rescued us. He's given us this new life. And thank you for that person who sent that Bible verse in. But part of being a Christian is being thankful, being thankful to Jesus for what he's done, being thankful to your family, being thankful to your friends. Then Debbie sent in Romans 8.28. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. That is an anchor verse in tough times. You know, when life throws us a curveball in the early years, you know, uh, a lot of times people will come to Christ out of a tragedy or, or life's going south, and that is, man, that is, that is a major anchor verse that held Debbie in her early years in her Christian walk, as, it, as well as it does with us. Now, John 13, 34. This verse, I had to put it up there, because it was sent in by a five-year-old. It was sent in by little Emma. She's not with us this morning, but her mom sent me this verse, and she said, this was Emma's verse. So it tugged at my heart. I had to put it up there. But Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And that's an integral part of our faith and the body of Christ, is that we love one another, is that we love one another, we care for one another, we bear one another's burdens, and we show that love to one another. Amen? Not just with our lips. And then finally, number one, we've already let the cat out of the bag, which you probably knew this beforehand, but the number one verse, the number one verse was, with 11 votes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John three sixteen. I, when I first sent that email out, you know, I was, I was like, 
16. I was getting a couple emails back. It was John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.16. And then finally, Debbie broke the ice with uh, Romans 8.28. And I almost responded back to her saying, yay! <laughs> no, but that, that is an awesome verse. That is an awesome verse. And that, is, that was one of my anchor verses. Uh, my other anchor verse was uh, John 14.6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I got saved in the Navy and, and living on an aircraft carrier with 5,000 other sailors. You're hearing all these world philosophies and all these other religions. I just remember throughout all them conversations and arguments and hagglings, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I held to that verse. That was my, that was my anchor verse that, that got me through. You know, and we all have that anchor experience where Christ saves us he rescues us and I like to think he puts a Bible a Bible verse with us to hold us down and keep us anchored in those early years but this morning I want to talk to you about a benchmark verse a benchmark Bible verse is a verse where it calls you to go further it calls you to go into a deeper commitment with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved, you're born again, you're walking with Christ, but then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's more to this. That's what a benchmark verse is, and I believe that's what we're looking at this morning, but it's a, a verse that calls us to go deeper, to go deeper. So the, the benchmark verse this morning that we're looking at, it's actually two verses, is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, we're just looking at Two verses this morning, verses 1 and 2. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I like to say it's a bridge. It's a bridge in the book of Romans from theology to application. Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 is the bad news. That, we've all, that, that we're fallen, that we live in a fallen world, and we're broken. That's, that's the message of Romans chapter 1. One, two, and three. Then Romans chapter four through chapter eight is the gospel. It's the good news. The good news that, that Jesus Christ has raised us to life. And then we come to Romans chapter 9, 10, 11. The, the message that God is not finished with Israel. That he has a plan. That he has a plan for them. And then after that, we have this bridge, I like to call it, of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul is now going to transition from theology to application. So that's where we're going for the next three months as we go through the rest of the book of Romans. As we're talking about, in light of all that, this is how you should live. So the, the, the coming weeks and months, it's going to be loaded with application. How do we live in light of the gospel? So with that said, let's pray and we'll get into our passage this morning. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Lord, call us deeper this morning. Father, through my teaching, through teaching your word, call your people to go deeper in their love for you, in their devotion to you, their commitment to you, and the, the way they live their life. Lord, I, I thank you so much for this truth. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And perfect. This morning, we're focusing on this bridge, I like to call it. This bridge where God is calling you by his word to go deeper. To take that next step in your walk with Christ, in your devotion, in your commitment. This this bridge here has uh, four elements. I call them the the elements of commitment. The elements of commitment, number one, we're going to look in these two verses, is the basis of commitment. Number two, the character of commitment. Number three, the demands of the commitment. And number four, the effects of the commitment. For some of you, this morning, it's going to deepen and affirm what has already taken place. And I'm cool with that. Because you need to be reaffirmed. You need to, it needs to um, deepen your faith and establish you and reassure you where you are. But for others this morning, I believe this morning is going to be a benchmark. It's going to be a benchmark. You're going to be like, ah, okay. Okay, so, so it doesn't end here. God wants me to keep growing. So either way, this is going to benefit you greatly as we see what God's word says. So part one of this passage here is the basis of the commitment. When I say basis of the commitment, I'm talking about the foundation. What is the reason behind our commitment? What is the foundation? What is it established on? Look at verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. The foundation, the basis of our commitment is not us. It didn't start with us. It doesn't end with us. The foundation and the basis of our commitment is what? The mercies of God. The the mercies, Paul is, is establishing here, of what God has done for us in Christ, seen in the previous um, 11 chapters. Give you, I just want to give you a couple of them. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, have been justified. That means righteousness, because of Robert's faith in Jesus, God has credited his account, righteousness, and justification. He, he no longer sees you and me and Robert as, as sinners, but he sees us as saints because we have been justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the theme of Romans chapter 5. Move over to the next chapter, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. He says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The thesis of Romans chapter 6 was this. You have been raised to life. You have been given a new life, a new hope in Jesus Christ. That was the summary of of, of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 7, we're dead to sin. We're alive to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
through Jesus, through your faith in Christ and his death on the cross for you, you have been declared innocent. Number three up there, you have been declared innocent because he took your place at Calvary. These are the mercies of God that Paul is talking about in verse 1. And then I love this one. I love this one. Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. How beautiful is that? It talks about the deep, intimate relationship that we have with God. Why? Because he's adopted you by the Holy Spirit dwelling in your hearts. He's adopted you. These, what we've been studying for the past couple of months, are the mercies of God. These are what Paul's talking about in verse 1. These are the, the basis of our commitment, is what he has done. The basis of our commitment is all about him and what he's accomplished on our behalf. And notice in, in verse 1, Paul is not asking a favor. He's not asking a favor of us. He, he, he's, he's declaring an obligation that we have to Jesus Christ. He calls us to think, to ponder, to, I like to say, survey the wondrous cross. To think long and hard about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. To look at it clearly, to, to see him high and lifted up. See him in his death. See him in his resurrection. See him in his ascension. And with that information, we're called to act accordingly. We're, we're called to act accordingly. He's not asking for a favor here. Isaac Watts wrote over 750 hymns in the early 1700s. He was considered the father of the English hymns. And in 1707, he wrote, when I, he, have you heard that song? When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. But he closes that song, he closes that hymn with this passage up here. It says, love so amazing so divine. In other words, it's so beautiful. It's so magnificent. It's so awesome that it demands my soul, my life, my all, everything. That is where he's calling his children. That is where he's calling believers. That is where he's calling you this morning. Amen? He's calling us to go deeper. Let's go to part two. Part two of, this, of, the, of these two verses is called the character, the character of commitment. Uh, look at verse one again. And it says, uh, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, the first thing he says here in, the, in this next portion of scripture, he says, to present your bodies. That means to offer everything. To offer everything. It's more than skin and bones. He's talking about a total commitment. That is the demands of the gospel. That is where God calls us. To complete and wholehearted devotion to him. Above our spouse, above our children, above our family. To, to give him 
to him to be number one in our lives, but to present your bodies. And then it says here, I love this, and I've been waiting on this, to be a living sacrifice. To be a living sacrifice. A couple months ago, I was in my study, and this is how, this is how Pastor David gets his worship on. He puts his beats on. He plugs, he gets into iTunes. He gets the worship music going. I get my Bible laid out, and I got worship music going, and I got my Bible, and I'm reading, and I'm taking notes, and laying out my sermon notes, and how I want to do, how I want to preach for the upcoming Sunday. And then all of a sudden, I thought the Lord told me this. He said, we are alive. We are alive. So I want to talk about this for a minute. It says, we're a living sacrifice. And you're going to be hearing me talk a lot about this. I'm going to be weaving this in and out of teaching. But one thing we're going to be preaching and teaching and reaching out to this community to say that we are alive. But what are we alive in? Number one, we're alive in Christ. We are alive in Christ. He has resurrected us. He has given us new life. And that's the message that we share with the people of Irmo, is that he can resurrect your life. He can, he can bring the dead back to life, and he's done that with us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Second way we're alive, we're going to be alive in fellowship. We, the leadership, we are going to do our very best to create an atmosphere, create opportunities for you to get together with other believers and rub shoulders. Because that is when ministry takes place. It's when you ladies get together in your Tuesday night Bible study. Or you ladies get together for a cup of coffee at Panera Bread. Or you go places and do things. It's, that's when ministry takes place. It's when that fellowship, when you come together and you create that family. And you create that lit relationship. And the same with the men. We're going to create opportunities. Whether it's in the beginning fellowship with coffee and donuts. And having fellowship and talking to one another. To whether it's at Panera Bread or wherever. We're always going to be creating opportunities for you to have fellowship so that our body can go strong. Because this is the deal here at Calvary Chapel Irmo. You guys are the foundation. You guys are the foundation. And we've got to make sure that foundation is solid. And we've got to do everything we can. You know, we've got to talk about being alive in Christ and, and, and enriching our relationships with the Lord in your personal walk with Jesus. But then we've got to push fellowship and give you guys time to come together and get to know one another. Amen? Number three, number three, this is the foundation of Calvary Chapel. And this will be the foundation of Calvary Chapel as long as I'm the pastor. And that is this, verse-by-verse verse teaching from the Bible. That, you know, there's a, you, you can do a lot of things a lot of different ways, and I'm cool, you know, with real, real upbeat music or not so upbeat music, you know, um, doing service in different ways. But there's one foundation we will never, we will not move away from. And that's verse-by-verse verse teaching through God's Word. Because His Word is the final authority. His Word is what changes our hearts. His Word is what changes our marriages. His Word is what brings about change and, and, and encouragement and strengthens us. It's His Word. So I'm, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'm going to be like one beggar talking to other beggars, saying, this is what I got. This is what you're going to... This is what you're going to get at Calvary Chapel. Is that we're just going to teach it because we are alive in God's Word. Amen. We got. We got. We got. That's the foundation stone. We can't move. And fourthly, this one's coming in the future. The one that we we want to build on is this: 
We are alive in the community. We are, gonna, we are going to be alive in the community. Right now, we're still establishing our foundation in, in the different ministries. But out of that foundation in the future, we want ministry, outreach ministries to grow and be alive in the community, be alive with, some, with events with schools, prisons, um, and doing different things in the community to show people the love of Christ by our actions. But we want to be alive in the community. So we are alive. We are, we are going to be a living sacrifice, as Romans 12:1 says. We're alive in Christ. We're alive in fellowship. We're going to be alive in God's word. And we're going to be alive in community because he has raised us to life. So let's be that living sacrifice. The next thing in, in, in verse 1, it says uh, a holy sacrifice. We're call, he calls us to be a holy sacrifice. That means that we've renounced the old life. We've left it behind. A funeral took place. That old David, he was a good fellow, but he was laid to rest. And the new David has been brought to life. And the same goes with you and I. A lot of times that old man will try to rise up and latch back on to me. And I have to beat him down. But that's, we're, we're called to be a holy sacrifice, to be set apart. And that's what God calls, not just pastors, not just leaders, but he calls all believers to be a, a holy sacrifice, to be set apart to God, to commit to doing your life God's way, by God's word. That's, that's our call to, to, in being a holy sacrifice, to be completely committed to doing what his word says, to be separate from sin and from the ways of the world, but to live in wholehearted devotion to him, understanding what takes us there, what takes us down that path, grace, grace. His grace takes us there. His spirit takes us there as we move forward with him and being a holy sacrifice. This here, this passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is one of the boldest calls to total commitment. To total, to, he calls us to total commitment. And as I've said several times already, I'll say it again. This is not just for missionaries. This is not just for worship leaders. This is for every believer in Jesus Christ. He calls us to wholehearted devotion and to commitment. And in verse 1 there, it says, uh, he says, uh, uh, which is your spiritual service of worship. This, folks, I believe, is the benchmark that he's calling some of you to this morning. He's telling you in your heart, this is where I'm calling you now. I'm calling you to make this benchmark and to live a life of dedication. Amen? To, to live a life of dedication, to make this benchmark and move forward. Because check this out. Worship now, I love worship now. I love me some Matt Redman, some Chris Tomlin, some Jesus Culture. I, I love my worship music. And I can get my worship on at home, at church. I can lift my hands and worship the Lord. But let me tell you something th about this. This is not all there is to worship. When we lift our hands, when we sing out with our voices, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. How we live 
for Christ Monday through Friday is how we worship the Lord. It's how we live our lives in wholehearted devotion, wholehearted commitment. The, the King James Version says, uh, I love what it says. It says, this is your reasonable service, if you have a King James Version, or I think New King James does it also, but which is your reasonable service. In other words, Paul is saying, duh, in light of everything that Christ has done, you should give your whole life to him. For what he endured at Calvary and what he did for us through his resurrection from the dead, it's, it's our reasonable service. It, sh- it should be expected. Amen? Amen. Part three, the demands of the commitment. The demands of the commitment. Verse, verse two, look at verse two. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. What he's saying there is we don't follow the patterns of the world. We live differently than the world. As I was talking about a while ago, we live a life of purity. You know what? And we need to watch the language that comes out of our mouth. Garbage and curse words should not be a part of, 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 of our talking and the way, and the way we, we talk, because that's the way the world talks. But it says, do not be conformed to this world. We don't live like the ungodly world lives. We're called to live a life of self-control. Now we're all in the fight, and there's grace, and His Holy Spirit transforms us and changes us. But at the end of the day, we need to be growing out of those old habits and finding that benchmark where the Holy Spirit calls us into a deeper relationship with Him. That benchmark where you, you read this new Bible verse that says, oh, it's not over. I've got more work to do. I've got more commitment to give to Him. We've got to find that, guys. Um, I was so encouraged this past Wednesday night at Panera Bread. Tell about, I mean, I, I, could pro- I could probably bring Jennifer up here and have her a testimony, but we had 10 students. That's exciting. We had 10 students at Panera Bread on Wednesday night, and I was so pumped. I was so encouraged that so many more kids are coming out. But uh, one of the verses that we looked at that me and the students were talking about was Matthew 5.8. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And me and the students we were talking about, how can we do that? How, how do we live? How can we have a pure heart so that we can see the Lord? In all his glory. And we, you know what we talked about? We talked about what's the window of our heart? How does stuff get into our heart? Our ears? By what we listen to? Our eyes? By what we see? And our feet? By, um, by where we go? And part of, as it says, do not be conformed to this world. Part of not being conformed to this world is putting a guard and setting up boundaries and limits for what we see with our eyes, what we listen to with our ears, and where we go with our feet. We, we've, got, we've got to do that. We've got to protect our hearts, and we've got to protect our minds so that we can grow, and, and, and we can grow in this area of being a holy sacrifice and not being conformed to the, to the patterns of this world. Amen? Amen. And then uh, verse 2, the second part of verse 2 says, says uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, I, pro- I probably said this before, I'm going to say it again this morning. 
The battlefield is the mind. The battlefield is the mind. And I can tell you from 20 years' experience that sometimes things are great, sometimes things are not, but that is just one area that the Christian will struggle with and battle with from time to time through seasons of their life. The battlefield is the mind. But how do we protect our mind? As we said while ago, the same way we protect our heart. Where we go, what we listen to, and what we watch. There's an invisible war for our mind. And we need to understand that. Mom and dads, we need to understand that there's an invisible war for our children's minds. For our minds. For us husbands. There's an invisible war against our minds. And ladies, too. There's an invisible war in, in, in your mind. There's, there's a battle, a spiritual battle that rages. Uh, Donald Barnhouse, 1965, in his book called The Invisible War, he says this. He says, the battle is for your mind. He says, the battle is vicious and intense. It's unrelenting. It's unfair because Satan never plays fair. And the reason why it is so intense is that your greatest asset is your mind. If you win this war, you will win the battle. Amen? So much, man, our mind controls so much in our life. Can anybody agree with that? You know, whether it's a good decision, a bad decision, a godly decision, or an ungodly decision, it all starts right here, and it just drives the course of our life. Guys, we gotta, we got we to gotta renew our mind. Verse, verse 2 says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has given, no, before I say that, the battlefield is the mind, but it is winnable. It is winnable. You can conquer those battles. You can conquer the war with the mind. I don't want to, too far overdo it because it can be conquered. It, it can be uh, brought into the submission of Christ. God has given us tools. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Word of God. Washing our minds with God's Word. Just reading it in your time, in your devotion, at your bedside, in your quiet place, spending time in God's Word. But I'm going to tell you another way, and I, and I do it quite regularly. You know, I don't know if it has anything to do with uh, all the noise in our house with the little girls and, and everybody going, but I, I put my beats on and get my worship going and my study and, and listening to some worship music and all that noise fades away and I'm in my office and I'm reading my Bible and I'm getting and, and I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm lifting my hands. Sometimes I will get flat on my face and lay on the carpet and just get low before the Lord and spend time in worship. There is a battle but it can be won. And it, it, it can be won by God's word and worship. The gospel is free. Okay? Grace is free. The salvation is a free gift. But with the gospel comes a call that demands our life. That demands our life. If you take the words of Jesus serious, if you take the call of the New Testament serious, you will see he demands our life in wholehearted devotion. Amen?
Number four, number four, the final one is the effects. The effects of the commitment. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It says right there, we can prove God's will. I looked at that word prove, just a little word study on it. It means, uh, the, the Greek word means to test, to examine, to scrutinize, to discern, and, and to prove. We can, we can prove God's will, but proving God's will in your life and understanding it and applying it to your life, I, I want to say here, based on verses 1 and 2, is this, it's contingent. It's contingent upon your commitment, okay? We have to offer our lives. We have to give our lives to him. We have to put our trust in him and surrender our lives to him. And then it says, so it's verse 2, the words, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is simply this. I honestly want to encourage you, man. Go home this afternoon and meditate on it. It's, it's, the, it's the mark of a dedicated life. It's the mark of a dedicated life to Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling us to. And I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. It's, 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 it's not easy when you go deep in your commitment to Christ. Because even though you're a born-again Christian, you still have a flesh to deal with. You still have a mind that will try to rationalize things and explain things away. There's still a battle. It's not easy, but you can do it. You can do it in the power of his Holy Spirit dwelling in us and in his word encouraging us. Those, my friends, are the four elements of our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter uh, 4 through Romans chapter 11 was theology. It was just instructing us what God has done for us in Christ, what he's going to do for Israel. And now he says, in light of that, this is how you should live your life. So what we're going to do now as we move forward through Romans 12 through 16 is we're going to talk about application. We're going to talk about what Romans 12, 1 and 2 looks like okay what is this what is this holy dedicated life look like what does it look like to be a living sacrifice that's what we're going to spend the next couple months doing as we go through this last half of romans uh the book of romans and finishing up romans chapter 12 um so with that said with those four elements look in your bibles and let's read this we're just going to read it straightforward. Knowing the, 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 these four levels of commitment. Let's just read it straight through. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed.
by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus gave everything for you. He gave everything for us. He laid it out, laid his life down. He gave his life so we could be saved. My question to you this morning is, what will your response be? You've heard the benchmark verse. He's calling you to a wholehearted devotion, to a deeper commitment. You know, we have enough half-hearted believers in the world as it is. And people that aren't totally committed. We got enough of those. God's calling you to a deeper commitment. A deeper commitment and allegiance to him. Amen? That's what he's calling you to. That's what he's calling us to. So where, where are you at this morning? Where are you at this morning? Don't let your mind rationalize it and push it away. Oh, I went to church on Sunday morning. I heard my sermon. But take this home and meditate on it. Meditate on this passage and let him do his work in your life. So many times, guys, and I'm guilty. I'm, I'm so guilty over the years. Going to church, hearing a message, and not acting on it. And, and not letting it take deep root in my heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let God do his work in your heart, in your life, as you surrender to him as a living and holy sacrifice. You know, one of the things I, I talking with people in life who, who come to Christ later on in life, one of the things is, is they feel like, you know, they wasted so much. They, 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 they let it pass. Well, let me tell you, man, I don't know what your past is. I don't know what you've done, but, man, but let it go. And start afresh and to start anew in going deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, let it, um, don't let it pass. Don't let it pass. But do what the Lord is calling you to do. I want to close with this story this morning. It's, it's uh, called Queen Mary and the Tattered Umbrella. It's called Queen Mary and the Tattered Umbrella. Several years ago, I read an article about Queen Mary who made it her practice to visit Scotland every year. She was so loved by the people there that she often mingled with them freely without a protective escort. One afternoon, while walking with some children, she went out further than she planned. Dark clouds came up unexpectedly, so she stopped at a nearby house to borrow an umbrella. If you will lend me one, she said to the lady who answered the door, I will send it back to you tomorrow. The woman didn't recognize the queen and was reluctant to give the stranger her best umbrella. She handed her one that she intended to throw away. The fabric was worn in several places and one of the ribs were broken. The next day, another knock was heard at the door. When the lady opened it, she was greeted by a royal guard who was holding in her hand her old, tattered umbrella. He said, the queen sent me to give this to you. She asked him, she asked me to thank you for loaning her this. 
For a moment, the woman, the woman was stunned, and she burst into tears, and she fell to the ground. She says, oh, my, what an opportunity I missed. She cried, I didn't give the queen my very best. Don't let that be you in your service and devotion to Christ. Take this opportunity. Let it be a, let it be a benchmark. You know, we all have our anchor verse. We all have our, our anchor experience, it, you know, and being, our hearts being turned to Christ. God's calling you this morning, you know, make this a benchmark moment in your life where your roots go deeper. Have you made that benchmark? If not, his arms are wide open, and he invites you this morning to go deeper into him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you call us to go deeper in our relationship with you, to go deeper in our relationship with believers and fellowship. Father God, to, to um, go deeper into your word. And Father, help us to go deeper in our relationship in our community with our neighbors. God, call us closer to you and deeper devotion to you. If, that, if, that, if, the, if this message came home to you this morning and, and you realize and you understand that you, you need that benchmark, it's time to take that next step as we close with this song, let that be your prayer. As we close with this song, let that be your heart cry. Cry out to the Lord and say, God, that's what I want in my life. I'm ready to take the next step in my devotion and commitment to you. Thank you for listening with us. We hope this message has been a blessing to you today. We pray you too will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and be saved. If you would like to join us during our Sunday service, we meet at 10 a.m. at 110 Hunters Village Drive in Irmo. If you would like to talk to a pastor or are in need of pastoral counseling, feel free to call us at 803-917-8792. i uh-huh.